Hi, and um, welcome to the second interview of this evening. Um, I don't know if there are any new listeners, but in case there are, so we are from uh, Talk That Science. We're a podcast group, and we make a science podcast every month on Echo Box Radio. Um, but today we have the honor to um, have an interview here at Museum Night at the evening of Radio Tempo Nao Para. And um, we have a guest, Bram Langeveld, who works as a curator at the Natural History Museum in Rotterdam. And um, yeah, we will talk in particular about the Great Auk, uh, which we can see there, a lot of them. Um, and that is a bird that became extinct in the 19th century. And uh, well, Bram also has a special connection to the Great Auk that we will discuss. So uh, welcome, Bram. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're quite right. Um, I've been looking at the birds on the wall here for uh, well, all, all evening already, basically. And I'm sort of drawn to them. I can't really stop looking at them. But it's a good thing that for this interview, there's like this, this big box right in front of them. So I have to focus on the interview. I can't get distracted by the, by the great hall. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Eveline, who I didn't introduce yet, but... Um... Hello. Yeah, she already mentioned immediately when we discovered we would be sitting in this room, like, wow, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, Bram, uh, just to introduce you also in your field of study, because we're a scientific uh, podcast, you studied biology with a minor in geology. Yes. That is true. <laughs> um, but your specific interest is in paleontology, right? Yeah, that's correct, especially vertebrate paleontology. So basically all dead things that used to have uh, a skeleton. Okay, very interesting. Um, um, yeah, now we want to talk about this great auk. Uh, it looks a bit like a penguin to me, but it, it's not quite, right? Well, it's not just to you. Actually, the, the great auk was the original penguin. So we, know, we don't know exactly where the name penguin originates from. But what we do know is that, we were that it was first applied to uh, the Great Orc, um, probably from the 16th century onwards, when we were traveling the world, basically exploring the world. Um, and then sailors came across this, this, well, this bird that they named penguin. And then only later, when the Great Orc started to become rare, actually went extinct, um, simultaneously, simultaneously we, would, we started to dis um, discover the southern hemisphere, explore there. And then we came across, well, these birds that reminded these sailors of the great orc, which they call a penguin. So they called them penguin as well, because black and white birds, they couldn't fly, they were swimming through the water, eating fish, they were basically the same thing. Um, so they then applied this name penguin to what we now call penguin, and it stuck there. Well, for the great orc, it, yeah, it sort of lost um, the name. Okay, interesting. So uh, I... I hear that you say that the great auk was also a bird that could not fly. Exactly, it could not fly above water, um, but it could fly below water. And if you've ever looked at penguins, um, for example in a zoo, you will see that they use their wings underwater, which is quite different from, for example, um, basically any other bird that dives. Um, they dive, they keep their wings folded in, and then they use their feet to paddle in the water. And while the great auk and penguins, they use their wings and they sort of keep their feet steady. So they couldn't fly above water anymore, but they did fly below water and they did that very well. They could easily dive for, for 50 to 100 meters uh, deep 
uh, an older breath dry, I think it was uh, about five minutes. Very interesting. Um, so now we have sort of a picture of what kind of bird this great auk was, uh, but also you have a sort of a special relation to the great auk, and specifically here in the, the great auk that lived here in the Netherlands. Can you maybe yes, yes. tell so, a bit about um, that? The thing is, that it looked like a penguin, but it was not a penguin. It was not related to penguins. Um, but the thing is that because it had this very unusual lifestyle, uh, it, it flying in the water, it really changed its morphology. So its wings looked quite different. Um, normal birds have big wings because they need to fly through the air and then you need a lot of surface area to be able to not crash. While in the water you need these really short flipper-like wings uh, because uh, there's a lot more drag in the water. So the great orca has a very particular morphology in its uh, wings, which is reflected in the wing bones. And the wing of a, of a bird, of any bird, is basically just like our arm. So it has an upper arm bone, then an uh, ulna and a radius, and then there come some smaller bones to make up your wrist and then the hand. Um, but especially this humerus bone in the great oak is quite remarkable, it's quite easy to recognize. And when I started working on these uh, fossil bird bones from dredged beaches from uh, Maasla Tatu, where they took a lot of sand from the uh, North Sea floor, put it all on the beach and then uh, fossils wash out of there, I came across a lot of bird bones and I wanted to identify them. And many of them were ducks and bees and uh, owls and, and birds of prey, quite interesting as well. But there were some of these bones that were really, really weird. And I, I sort of got stuck on them because they were normal numerous bones. They have uh, a circular uh, cross-section, so you can take them between your fingers and they can roll. They're just like any normal bone, rounded. But these weird bones, they were really flattened. They were like triangular in cross-section. And um, that is something that we know, we know only from orcs, so from the living orcs. But these were way, way, way too big. So then I found out, well, these must be great orcs. And that triggered me because um, we know that this is an extinct bird. We always uh, associate it with the high Arctic, with the north. Um, and from the North Sea, only a couple of these bones were ever known. Uh, before I started looking at them, there were like eight finds, and that's it. And they were explained as probably, uh, well, stray birds that got lost or were sick and, and drifted into the North Sea. And then I decided to enlist the help of a lot of uh, these fossil collectors who do that just for fun. They go out and collect fossils because they like doing that. They amass very important scientific collections because there's no uh, scientific institution in the world that can have people go out and collect for hours and hours and hours. It's just nobody can pay for that. But they collect a lot of bones and then I enlisted their help and asked them, do you have any of these flattened numerous bones? And then there came one and one more and another one and another one. And that went on for years basically. And now we have over 130 of these bones. So we went from eight bones and the bird being very rare in the North Sea to um, it probably having been quite a common wintering bird. So not extremely abundant, but definitely not extremely rare. Okay, so basically because of um, well, your first discovery, or at least maybe they were already found, but no one made the link, but because of it, you realize that, or maybe, maybe people realize that the great auk actually did live around the Netherlands and the North Sea. Exactly, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So it was much more common than we previously thought. And it must have been a regular wintering bird here. And uh, we know that they breed or they bred around uh, Iceland and also the coast of Norway. That's where they have these isolated rocky shores where they can come, uh, come um, on land 
lay their eggs, breed their young, and then go back. So that's where they uh, had their young. But in the winter, they probably migrated a bit south. And then the North Sea is quite shallow, it's quite um, safe. There's not too much uh, storms. There's a lot of food available. So I, apo- I hypothesize that it's a perfect wintering ground for these birds, just as it still is for their, um, well, not extinct or not yet extinct, uh, smaller cousins. So like the regular orb or the, um, the myrrh, for example. And these bones, are they now, uh, some of them at least, are they in the museum, maybe the one in Rotterdam? Yes, yes. So the thing is, when you work together with these private fossil collectors, they literally spend hundreds of hours collecting these fossils, literally hundreds of hours, in all kinds of weather, uh, early in the morning. So they are generally really attached to their fossils. Um, And it's never my objective to take them away because that doesn't work for, for nobody, not for the museum, not for them. It's, it's not a healthy way of working together. My objective is always to identify the fossils and show these collectors how important these fossils really are, so they're worth safekeeping. And then some of these collectors decided, well, if it's such an important bone, um, maybe you should have it, the museum should have it. So then I was able to secure a couple of specimens for Naturalis in Leiden, and um, most of them, of course, for the Naturalist Museum of Rotterdam. Um, and also, we've got some costs as well. So in some cases, I judge the bone to be very important because it's from a rare site or it's a rare bone. And then uh, I had a cost produced, and then uh, the collector keeps the original, the museum gets the cost, so that we have a record of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm asking because I'm uh, making a link to this uh, collection here. So on the wall, we see... Uh, I don't know how many, quite a lot. 54. 54? I counted them. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> 54 great Augs. Um, so it's a project from this uh, photographer, Jochen Lempert, and I think it's his goal. He's working on it already for 30 years or something like that. To Yeah, his goal is to make a picture of every great Augs in a museum. Um, and yeah, so, so far he had 54 out of 78. Um, but yeah, these are not just bones, so they must be much older, right? Like, or, like now you cannot just find a complete uh, arc like it's pictured on the wall. Exactly, yes, there, there are exactly 78 left. So the thing is, these orcs were extremely abundant. They were extremely abundant, numbering in the tens of thousands. Um, but that's just before we decided to um, exploit them on an industrial scale. So when we started to cross the Atlantic, um, that was a very long voyage. I'm talking early 16th, uh, 16th century, so the early 1500s, and then on a sailboat, and you were taking months to get across this vast ocean. And then finally, when you made it to the other side, you were hungry and you needed some fresh food. And then every year, from about half May to uh, late June, there was this big rock off the coast of Canada, um, and there were literally tens of thousands of these birds on there, these great dogs. And they couldn't fly away. They were not very scared. Um, you could literally drive them together into your boat, kill them, and eat them fresh and sold them as well. So that's quite ideal. It was like a very early supermarket. Um, and what we as humans then do is we start to exploit that. And we did that for about three centuries on an industrial scale. So first it was just to eat them, but later also just because to, to use their feathers. Um, and then basically there were no more over there. So. Um, they started to go extinct globally, but they first went extinct off Canada, so this great uh, uh, colony was gone. And then when we started to realize that, that there were really only a couple of them left around Iceland, 
then yeah. something happened that would not happen today anymore. But um, they got very valuable, and uh, both museums as well as wealthy individuals, they uh, well all wanted a great all. So when they were starting to get very rare, it was not worthwhile to, to kill them anymore for their extra or their meat, but it was actually worth to kill them just for their skin, to sell the skin as a stuffed bird to collectors. Um, and that's what happened to basically the last 78, you could say, great orcs. Um, all of them were, basically all of them were collected from Iceland, basically all of them were collected while they were breeding, um, and they were all stuffed and sold all over the world. So those 78 great orcs are now all preserved in museum collections, um, and yeah, it's, it's the last 78 complete specimens there are. There are even fewer eggs, there are about 75 eggs, um, which is it's, it's amazing to think about that, uh, for example, when the last pair was killed, it's quite well documented. It was actually documented that the people that killed the last pair damaged the egg and then thought, well, well, it's damaged, well, just, let's just leave it here. So they actually left the very last great old egg ever yeah, to crumble away in a rock of Iceland. It's, it's insane if you think about it, but it's what happened. So the great orc used to be very abundant, then us humans were our um, pre-ancestors. They uh, wanted to eat them, use their skin, use their feathers. Yes. Um, but the very last few of them were preserved just to preserve because the sight of them. They were worth a lot of money to collectors because they, they wanted to have these big birds um, skinned or stuffed to show them. This is also the um, well, the message behind uh, Jochen Lampert's exhibition, behind this photo series, that he wants to address the irony uh, of that the conversation of animals then goes hand in hand with the animals becoming extinct. Um, I also heard you say in your story that this would not happen nowadays. Now you work for a natural history museum yes. now, so you're also a bit of the expert on what is the strategy Yes, so for this nowadays. Yes, exactly. So the thing is, active collecting, that is basically killing vertebrate animals, is something that is now very, very rarely done for natural history museums. So we do not go out and shoot birds just to put them in drawers. It is something that happened uh, a couple of centuries ago, but not anymore. So right now, whenever a, a species is becoming very rare, of course, we have uh, all kinds of initiatives to, to preserve it in its habitat, to, to keep the population viable and make sure that it doesn't go extinct. Um, and the thing also is that if I look at our uh, natural history museum Rotterdam collection policy, we try to focus on urban nature, so on, on birds, for example, that live in Rotterdam. And then there's definitely no need to start shooting them because we kill them all the time passively by having windows. Um, everyone that has a window kills birds because they fly into it. Um, by driving cars, um, by littering, we have birds that get uh, constricted in all kinds of junk and then die. So um, we have a lot of dead birds um, just coming our way without us actively killing them. Um, so there's no need to do that and I wouldn't want to do that either. Okay, that sounds like a lot better strategy than uh, what it used to be. Um, yeah, uh, do you know of some other animal that is now becoming extinct? Uh, because you're now talking about like the 
birds in Rotterdam that I think are not becoming extinct, maybe they are, uh, but like birds that are of a very specific worldwide interest, maybe? Uh, that's a good question. We're currently facing the sixth mass extinction. So basically we're in an extinction that rivals the extinction that killed the dinosaurs. So that's, that's an important thing to note. So if you ask me what bird is not going extinct, I'm going to ask you what bird um, is going extinct. So basically they're all going extinct. And I'm, it's, I'm a bit exaggerating, but it's something to worry about. Um, but looking globally, it's basically any bird or any animal that is confined to uh, a particularly small habitat, usually an island, um, that is at highest extinction risk. So there are, of course, a lot of birds that have a very broad distribution and they can take a lot of damage before going extinct. But it's especially small uh, birds that live on small islands um, that are at very high extinction risk. So that is also something that should receive a lot of um, uh, attention to preserve them. Okay, um, sadly we have to slowly round off. I'm wondering if there's maybe a question from the audience. Yes? Okay. So the question is, uh, Jacob is asking, do you have a stuffed auk on you or in Rotterdam? No, I'm afraid not. There are only two in the Netherlands. Um, one actually used to be here in this city, in Amsterdam, in the Zoological Museum of Amsterdam. But when that fused with Naturalis in Leiden, uh, I think about a decade ago, it moved to Leiden. So Leiden now has two great orcs. Um, and that's basically all there is in, in the Netherlands. However, within the Natural History Museum Rotterdam, we have most of the bones, more than Leiden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I actually, so you're asking me which one of those 54 on the wall is from Leiden? Yes. Exactly, and I, I looked at them. I, I was just looking at them a bit ago, and I've looked at the both Leiden specimens a while back, but I wouldn't dare to recognize them. I, I, I'm sure they can be individually recognized. There are research that have done that, but I have looked more at the bones themselves. However, what I did notice is that there are some very well-prepared specimens in there, looking very lifelike, but there's also one that basically looks like they took the head of a goose, the skull of a goose, and then strapped the great orc skin over it. It's, it's terrible to look at, um, but at least it's one of the 78. But I wouldn't be able to recognize the, the Leiden and Amsterdam specimen um, with, from those 54, no. Okay, I think this is a very nice take-home task. Like, uh, <laughs> we can check which picture is the one in Leiden, if, if actually they correspond. I'm not 100% sure because Jochem did not picture all of them, but it would make sense. Okay, so um, yeah, thank you very much, Bram, for uh, the very nice interview and uh, shedding some more light on uh, what we're seeing here. Thanks. Yeah, and thanks everyone for listening. And uh, as we said already, um, yeah, stick around. There will be more program tonight, music. And um, also, if you like the podcast, um, you can check us out. Thanks. thanks. <laughs>